So we are going through the book of Solomon. Everybody say Solomon. Guess who it's written by? Solomon. Good job. You were listening last week. Awesome. So it's written by Solomon, King David's son. Um, Song of Solomon literally means songs of songs. So out of the um, 1,005 songs that he wrote, this was his best. This was his favorite. And the whole purpose for him writing this was to... um, was to describe godly love and human affection and going about it the right way, the godly way, because we all know that God's way is better than our way, amen? Even when it was regarding relationships. <laughs> so the book takes us through their relationship um, where we see how they met, how they dated, their honeymoon night, and then how they fought and how they finished. So let's refresh our, um, our memory here. So we have three main characters, and throughout the book, it sometimes switches the characters in the same sentence, which is why it could be kind of confusing. So let's just refresh our uh, memory. So we have the lover, which is Solomon, and then we have um, the beloved, which is the young woman, the Shulamite maiden, which is um, his soon-to-be wife. And then we have uh, her friends, which are the daughters of Jerusalem. So uh, last week, Pastor Cade talked about the art of attraction, and there were three um, areas of that. Everybody say spiritual attraction. So by spiritual attraction, we're setting the godly standards to live by and say emotional attraction. I love how interactive y'all are. Good job. Uh, emotional attraction, how we need to speak life to those and um, whom we value, right? That's so, so very powerful. And then there's also physical attraction. Say physical attraction, which uh, thankfully I am not really talking about today. That is next week, so be here for that. <laughs> um, we uh, want to give a little disclaimer. 13 and older, it's definitely appropriate for, uh, we are going by the Bible, but um, if you've ever read this book of the Bible, it's uh, pretty graphic. So 12 and under, we recommend going to kids' classes next week. So today, we're going to focus on their dating relationship. And the married people are like, great, thanks, I'm already married. Just wait, there's some for you too. And the single people are like, oh Lord, this is going to be embarrassing. <laughs> but before I go into today's message, let's remind ourselves of the ground rules. There's two of them. So we're going to listen for you, right? Everybody put your hand on your heart and say, I'm going to listen for me. And we're not going to look back. Yeah, good. We're not going to look back. So no matter how many mistakes we've made, no matter how many failed relationships we've had, we're going to listen today. We're going to start afresh. We're going to start anew. And from here forward, we're moving on. Amen. We know that God makes all things new. So this topic of uh, dating is difficult. Um, it's difficult to talk about. And it's also difficult to hear because um, the world is complete opposite from what the Bible says. It's complete opposite, complete opposite. The world has things so confused and has it so backwards. Um, We're defining our relationships in the world by social media, by the TV. I mean, just turn it on, any channel, it's in your face. Like deodorant commercials, shower commercials, like, come on, like, you know, it's just kind of crazy. So, um, but really the modern dating world, what we see today is really only like 100 years old. But before that, it was a biblical courtship kind of standard. So it's amazing what we've done in the past 100 years. But um, anyway... So the Song of Solomon is more of a biblical courtship. So what we're going to do is um, we're going to dive into what the Bible says about dating. And if you were like me, you had no idea the Bible even talked about dating. You're like, really? So I'm so thankful for um, Pastor Mark's taught on this before, uh, Pastor Chris Hodges, Tommy Nelson. There's different people that have broken this book of Solomon down for us so I can understand it. So because it's very um, picturesque allegories. Is that right? Allegories. So yeah, it's really nice. They break it down so you can understand what they say, because how many of us know the bachelor does not have it right? No, (laughs) does not have it right. (laughs) So this topic can be difficult for the single people, um, because maybe you're like that one person who's like, I am still single. Like here I am still single. Like you're that, you're that unclaimed bug, uh, bag of luggage, like around the airport. Like, is anybody going to take me? Any, anybody going to take me? Or maybe you're the last, <laughs> don't, don't raise your hand. 
<laughs> or maybe, maybe you're the last person on the softball team and you're against the fence just waiting to be picked. You're like, come on, come on, somebody please pick me. <laughs> Quit raising y'all's hands. <laughs> y'all are hilarious. Um, or maybe uh, you uh, have that relative that uh, you sit next to at the wedding and they're like, hey, hey, that's you. You're next, right? You're next, yeah. And you're like, ah, can they just stop? Can they just stop? Been guilty. Sorry. I'll apologize to my family member. Been guilty. <laughs> He's laughing. Uh, but you know what to do with next with that family member that you're sitting next to? Next time you go to a funeral and be like, you're next. No, I'm just kidding. Don't do that. Don't do that. That's horrible advice. Don't do that. <laughs> uh, the other reason it can be difficult is um, for the married people. Married people say, whoop, whoop. Yeah. You're like, I already done married. We don't have to date anymore. Wrong. Wrong. <laughs> you need to date your spouse. You need to date your spouse. So um, this message is uh, all about dating. We also need to date our spouse. So, But I have a word of encouragement for you, single people and you married people, because we all fall into one of those categories. Nothing is impossible. Those waiting to get married, I'm never going to get married. Nothing is impossible. Those in that dry relationship, nothing is impossible. Say nothing. Amen. So um, let me break it down the modern dating world for those of you who've been married forever and have no idea. So the modern dating world goes like this. So boy meets girl. They go out to eat together. They end up at someone's house or apartment. They look all googly-eyed at each other. He smells nice. She's looking good. Got real silent all of a sudden. <laughs> so they start kissing, and she asks, hey, you just want to stay over? Like, is that all right with you? He's like, yeah. So basically, they start playing house without making the marriage commitment. They're expecting things from each other that really aren't fair to each other. So they do this for a period of time until boy meets other girl or girl meets other boy. And they go that repasses over and over and over until one day boy meets special girl or girl meets special boy until they decide to get married. Then a few years later, they get divorced and wonder what went wrong? Like what happened? It's because you play like you practice. You play like you practice. You know, we understand this principle in other areas of our lives, in sports, in school academics, in money, but not in relationships. We've told a generation, um, go, have fun, like, hurry, hurry up, because one day you'll just be hogged down, like, you'll just be hot tied down, sorry. Yeah, that, that's real encouraging for those single people, right? We've got that backwards. So instead of teaching them, or we need to teach them to make decisions now that they're going to reap later, go gamble all your money away and rack up all those credit cards. Yeah, go do it. Yeah, you're smiling at me because you're like, that's the dumbest idea. Right, but yet we do that in relationships. Why, why do we do that? Why do we do that? And we wonder what's wrong with this world. So this is the only scripture I'll pull out of Song of Solomon, uh, but it's written by Solomon. So there's a time for everything and a, say, season. And a season for every activity under heaven. So not all activities fit in all seasons, but there is a season for every activity. So uh, let me show you um, what the seasons of courtship looks like. This is where um, Pastor Cade left off last week in Song of Solomon. So chapter two, verse eight, uh, she is speaking. Remember, there's three characters. So she is speaking. Listen, my lover, look. Oh, she's getting excited. Look, look, look. Here he comes, leaping across the mountains, bounding over the hills. You know, I said that to my husband the other day, and he's like, oh, it's great. <laughs> we talk a little differently these days. It's like, hey, look, he's come. Look at him. Look at, look. And then uh, verse nine, my, my lover is like a gazelle or a young stag. That means he's fine. He's handsome. <laughs> Look at him. Look, there he stands behind our wall, gazing through the windows, peering through the lattice. And no, he's not a peeping Tom. She's, she's looking out the window and he's peering back at her. He's coming up to um, pick her up for a date. He says, Ma, look, 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 look at him. 
In verse 10, my lover spoke. So he is speaking now. And he says to me, arise, my darling, my beautiful one, and come with me to Olive Garden, P.F. Chang's, you know, wherever you want to go. <laughs> so here they're starting their dating relationship. They're entering a season that we've all entered to at one point or another. You entered this season when you joined this church. You entered this season whenever you got that new job. You entered this season when you got married. And it's a season of perfection. Say perfection. And then if you stick around long enough in that job, you realize when all you thought it was, you stick around long enough in that marriage and you realize that person's not as perfect as you thought, right? Yeah. So, so do me a favor. Put your hands kind of like this. Put your hands like this in a circle and then put it over your eyes. Put it, put it over your eyes and close your other eye. Tunnel vision, right? Tunnel vision. That's all you can see. But if you realize you put your hand down, you see everything. Everything is still there. But when you're in tunnel vision, they have that saying, um, love is blind, right? So when you're in that relationship at first, all you can see is what you want to see, for one. But everything else is still there, the good and the bad, but you're in tunnel vision. So um, what do we do whenever we're in tunnel vision? Because we've all been there. You have to have a set of rules that you abide by so that you're not following your feelings, amen? Because your feelings will lie to you. So when you're dating... Let me give you some little tidbits to help you out. Limit your time. Everybody say time. Limit your time you spend alone with that person more um, specifically. So uh, don't allow the enemy to tempt you. Set boundaries now before your relationships gets any further. It's a lot easier to set boundaries at the beginning than later. Amen? There's, um, there's only one thing you can't do in a group. One thing. Or you shouldn't do in a group. Should not do in, do not do in a group. Amen? Okay. <laughs> So uh, limit your time together. Get in a small group together. Hang out with godly people. You're going to have alone time. You will, I promise. Just just be careful at the beginning. Limit it. Be careful. Second thing you're going to do is limit your talk. Don't throw that L word out there. Don't be like, I love you. You don't know that yet. Hang on. Save that L word. Save it. You know, it's really interesting. I was talking uh, to Pastor Kate about this, and I was like, what is love? Somebody shout out to me. Define love. What is love? Patient. Yeah, yeah, patient, kind. What's the first definition of the word love? Patient. Well, why is it the very first thing that goes out the window when we get in a relationship? Any kind of relationship. Any kind of relationship. Why is patience the first thing that we, like, throw out the window? We rush into saying, I love you. We rush into that physical relationship. We've been dating for two weeks. How come we haven't? Hmm. Interesting. Why do, we, why do we do that? You're saying you're patient, but we're not willing to wait for a commitment. Hmm. It's hard to hear about, isn't it? <laughs> We've all been there. But listen, we're not going to do that. Nope. We're going to limit our time. We're going to limit our talk. And lastly, we're going to limit our touch. They're like, dang it. She was doing so good until that one. I'm not listening to that one. <laughs> the other two I can handle, but this one, come on. <laughs> you're not going to want to. You're going to want to. You are going to want to. That's just how it is. God made us that way. But there's a season for that. There's a season for that. Good feelings. Good feelings. Right feelings. But wrong season wrong season. God designed us for physical intimacy. He really did. And what he created is beautiful, but he designed it for a season to protect us, really. So what's not right is for us to entertain that thought and act on it in the wrong season. And parents, parents, don't minimize their feelings. Don't minimize their feelings because you'll alienate them from you when you're trying to help them. Don't, don't alienate them. So you, instead, you teach them about boundaries. Have difficult conversations with them. Oh, Lord Jesus, help us when that day comes. Have those difficult conversations with them. Because if you don't, when they get in that relationship, guess who they're going to be talking to? You ever heard the phrase, how far you want to go? Let's just be real. 
If you don't talk to about it, somebody will, or at least the world will. They just turn on TV. Somebody's telling them about it. Why not, why not us parents, right? I heard um, something the other day that, um, hold on, I'm making sure there's no little ones in here. Yeah, people, little ones, kids know sex by the age of third grade. Third grade. Lord Jesus, help us, you know? That's crazy. All right, so in Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 11, see the winter is past. You say, why is, why is winter um, highlighted? What's unique about winter? Winter is the time that you spend on the inside, not the outside. You allow the roots to grow down deep and form a foundation, right? So the winter you spend on the inside, not so much the outside. And then, um, so the, see the winter is past, the rains are over and gone. So now we're prepared for spring. Your spring will only be as good as your preparation in the winter, so the flowers appear on the earth. The season of singing has come. The cooing of doves is heard in our land. So now we're getting excited. Now we're ramping up into a relationship, um, Solomon and, and the woman. My dove is in the clefts of the rock and the hiding places. So notice Solomon wasn't out messing around. He wasn't out all night. He's on the mountainside. Uh, she says, show me your face. Um, within this uh, book, the word face means uh, character or values, stuff that he's already bought into, kind of who he really is. Let me hear your voice. Let me see who, what you're really like. Let me see uh, your voice, your character. Your character is sweet. Your face is lovely. So why was his character so sweet? Why was Solomon's character so sweet? Because he entered into a season of preparation. Everybody say preparation. Um, at Ramo, we had a, a phrase that said, preparation time is never wasted time. So preparation is always easy, um, or excuse me, isn't always easy, because if it were, then everybody would be doing it, right? It's not always pretty. It's not always pretty, but it's worth it. Um, it's really hard doing uh, the groundwork, right? So say you're, you're trying to build a skyscraper, like a 100-story skyscraper, and you're like, this is awesome, look at all this. But if there's no foundation, what's going to happen? You all know what's going to happen. It's going to fall and crumble, right? The very first side of wind, right? Any, any sort of resistance it gets, it's going to crumble. And what's it going to do? It's going to destroy everything around it. So why do we know this idea and just don't apply it to relationships? So when we get that special job, we get the right clothes, we go out shopping, we prepare our resume, we practice answering interview questions in the process, or we go on a big trip. We pack, we map it out, we prepare for it, but when it comes to relationships, we just say this, this phrase, oh, it gets under my skin, we'll just see where it goes. I'm not really sure, let's just see how it goes. That is dangerous, y'all. You, you guys, that's dangerous. We're setting ourselves up for heartbreak if we don't have standards. So again, parents, prepare your children. You prepare them for college. You prepare them to live on their own. Some of us do. <laughs> we prepare them to live on their own. Why do we not prepare them for relationships? Hmm. So the world will teach us to look for that right person. But instead, you need to become the right person. Everybody say become. You need to take time to develop yourself. You need to let your spirit man be developed. Because remember, you're first a spirit, and you're having a natural um, experience. You are a spirit being. So you become the right person, and the right person will find you. Become the right person, and the right person will find you. And when we become the right person, we aren't just going to like say, um, we aren't just going to fall in love, right? Like it's a ditch or something. No, we're going to walk in love. <laughs> love is not a pothole. I just fell in love. Like, no, it's not, it's not a ditch. It's not a pothole. It's a choice. It's a choice. Everybody say, love is a choice. But I thought it was like a whoopsie-daisy kind of thing. Oh, here comes Valentine's Day. <laughs> no, love's a choice. Amen. I know I've been married for 30 years and I, I just fell in love with my spouse and I'm not in love with them anymore. So I'm going to fall in love with this soulmate. No, no. You don't need a soul, soulmate. You need a spiritual mate. Remember, you are a spirit being. Amen.
Your soul will lie to you and cause you to follow your emotions and cause a big old mess. Love is not a feeling. It's a choice. Amen. And one of the best ways that you can show someone that you love them is by serving them. Like, oh, dang it. Here she goes again. See why it's hard to talk about? It's a little hard, isn't it? It kind of hurts, doesn't it? So, so why do you think we invite you to serve at No Limits? Like, you think it's just the fact that we need you? Yes, we do need you, but we know it's better for you because if you get in the habit of serving one another, like whether it be um, you sweep the kids' room after the church or you're cleaning up the coffee, you learn to walk in love. You're like, well, I don't have any kids. Why should I teach the kids' class? Why should I have to clean up after them? They are a mess. Have you ever been back there? It develops your ability to love others without reason, which is one of our core values. Love others without reason, Amen. So the next thing we're going to do, we're going to walk in love. The next thing is going to fix all my hopes and dreams on God. Everybody say, on God. Um, The world has a phrase, you complete me, right? (laughs) Yeah, you guys laugh because you know it's ridiculous if you've been married. Yeah, that doesn't work that way. (laughs) That means um, whenever they let you down, you become incomplete again, right? Then you feel like the next person, well, maybe they'll complete me. Maybe they'll complete me. And you're constantly searching. You're trying to fill this void that only God can fill. But you're looking around, you're looking in this physical world, and you're like, well, they can feel it. Maybe he can feel it or she can do it, right? No, no man or woman can ever fill that void, only, only God. So married people, <laughs> quit trying to force your spouse into someone else's spot. It's only filled for God. Guilty. We tried that for years. It's like, Cade, why don't you just do this? Why can't you just do that? We try to change each other. It don't work. Let me tell you it don't work. No, I don't work. Married people, fix your eyes and hopes on God. And then you serve your spouse. You serve your spouse. That's what he's really called us to do. All right, let's look at um, this next one. So catch for us the foxes. Hmm, foxes. So here's uh, Solomon talking. Solomon is taking the initiative to guard the relationship. Catch for us the foxes. He's guarding the relationship with um, him and this uh, Shulamite maiden. So um, the foxes... um, Catch for us the foxes, the little foxes that ruin the vineyards. And uh, anytime you see the word uh, vineyards, it means body. So catch for us the little foxes that ruin the vineyards. Our vineyards are our vineyards that are in bloom. So you, the foxes would come into the vineyards and eat the fruit before it had fully matured. That scripture is as graphic as you think it is. The little foxes are there to destroy the innocence and to take something too early. Now, don't forget our ground rules. There's no condemnation in this message. We are not looking back. We are looking forward. We are here to learn today, and we're going to apply it to the future message. Amen? God makes all things new. But Solomon here is saying, we aren't going to let that happen. He says, I want to be with you. I I really do. Good feeling. Good feeling. Wrong season. So we're going to enter a season of purity. Everybody say purity. Um, again, remember our ground rules. If you feel like uh, you're not pure, get in line with the rest of us. <laughs> Amen. Uh, we all have a past that we're not, we don't want to share, we don't want to talk about. But today we're walking out in purity. Amen. Let those stains be cleansed for once and for all today. Jesus has really cleansed us. His blood washes everything. Amen. So from this day forward, you're not going to live like a hooligan anymore though, because there are consequences to your action. But this day forward, you are moving on. Amen. So um, Solomon says uh, he's going to catch those foxes. You say, well, how are we going to catch foxes? What, what do we do? How do we even live a life of purity? Because I don't even see that being possible. You're going to put parameters around your passions. You're going to put parameters around your passions. You're going to let that fire burn, but a fire is only as good as its containment. So you're going to set up a system around that, that fire to guard yourself and the person that you're with, if you really care about them. 
You're going to set a, a guard around them. You can either have a campfire relationship where it's all nice and cozy and it's intimate and you have options for s'mores, amen? Or, you're, yeah, woo. <laughs> or you can have a wildfire. And as we all, all know, wildfires, when they get out of control, they will destroy everything in your life, everything in its pathway, your children, everything. So um, the next thing we're going to do to help us live a life of purity is we're going to use family as a safeguard. You say, well, my family's crazy. Like she said to do this, not just blood family. You have church family. Look around. You have church family. You have people here that really love you and support you. Amen, guys. They're high-fiving in the back. <laughs> Amen. So, but uh, you always need an accountability person. And I, I really recommend two because sometimes one can be astray, but two is really, really important. You always need to make sure someone um, knows what you're doing. Where were you last night? Who were you with? I'm kind of known in the reputation of our little close circle of friends that I'm the mean friend. Because I'm like, where you been? Why are you hanging out with them if you don't think it's going to last? Why? I'm the one that asks the 15 questions. My friends are like, yes, she does. <laughs> I feel it's my, my, my duty, my job. I love them. I care about them. If you really love and care about somebody, you're going to speak up and say something. Just like your children. You'd be like, hey, where were you? Hey, what are you doing? That's your job. That's what we're here for, to help one another. Amen. You need spiritual family protecting you. We need to protect one another. That's what we're here for. And if you mess up, what are we going to do? We're going to let Jesus make some things new. Just a few things, right? No, we're going to let him make all things new. Amen. So if you messed up, do not leave this room condemned. Do not leave this room condemned. Jesus doesn't condemn. That's the enemy. But we're going to, make, we're going to let Jesus make all things new. I am a new creation in Christ. The old has passed away. Behold, all things are new. Amen. All right, let's see how he finishes today. All right, so this daughters of Jerusalem, these are her friends. I charge you by the gazelles and by the does of the field, do not arouse or awaken love before the time is right. There will be a season where love is awakened and it's awesome. It is awesome, but do not do so before the time is right. You say, gosh, Beth, why are you like so passionate about this? You're kind of like a little stickler, a little like, you know, stick in the mud, so to speak, because the world has a lot to say about this, but the church is silent. The church is silent. Why? Why is the church so silent about it? It's because we've messed up ourselves or we don't know what we're doing either. We're like, we, we don't know. I don't know. We don't want to talk about it because it's personal. Don't be talking about my business, right? It's like, don't be looking at me. <laughs> I'm not looking at you, I promise. <laughs> oh, but seriously, like how many times are we going to allow ourselves or the people that we're around to go into bad relationship after bad relationship, not having boundaries, not having a set standard of anything, and they're just having a wildfire and we're just sitting back saying, Oh man, they make some bad decisions. That really stinks. No, we need to speak up. We need to speak up for each other. Amen. What will it take to allow God to set the standards? What will it take? You know, the world standards, um, I have this interesting statistic. So the world has set up a culture where there's one out of three marriages in a divorce. You know, they say the divorce rate is 50%. It's really not 50. It's really 33%. One out of three. But still, that, that, that's crazy. That's too high. One out of three. No wonder why people don't want to get married. Because like, well, my parents got divorced and they were married 20 years. They're not, that's not a good example. Mm. That number is way too high. We wouldn't take those odds anywhere else, would we? So say you're at the airport and you walk up and your attendant's like, okay, one of these three flights, it's going to crash. Pick one. And you stand there and they're like, uh, I'm going to drive. I'll see y'all later. <laughs> no, thank you. Or you go to lunch this afternoon and you go to a restaurant and they're like, here's your soup, sir. One out of three is going to kill you. <laughs> Have fun. <laughs> no, you're like, I'm fasting. I wasn't motivated to fast 21 days ago, but I'm, I'm fasting now. <laughs> no, we wouldn't do that, right? That sounds crazy. But yet we're doing it every day. 
um, a secular and a major university, a secular, a non-Christian major university did a study and showed that you could greatly increase your odds at a successful marriage from one out of three to one out of 120, 1,126. So you go from one out of three to one out of 1,126 if you did three things. If you prayed together, if you discussed your Bible together, and you attended church together. A secular major university came up with that study. Isn't that interesting? I was like, man, some of the Christians I know don't even have that yet. It's crazy. If you prayed together, discussed your Bible together, and attended church together. So to sum it all up, the key to building a great marriage is living a God-first life. Everybody say God first. So married people, put God first. Not your job, not your kids, not even your spouse, believe it or not. You put God first, then you serve your spouse. That's how you'll really love them. That's how you'll have the successful marriage, amen? You need to pray together, discuss your Bible together, and attend church together, and you'll have a marriage greater than you ever imagined, amen? Single people, I won't look at anybody because I'm not talking to you, I promise. (laughs) Plan for your marriage, seriously. Dive into the season of preparation that we talked about. Set up those parameters. Set up those boundaries now and pray for your mate. Make a list of um, traits that you would want in the spouse. I had awesome youth pastors that um, taught us actually how to do that. They took um, a season of the year and they would say, okay, Beth, make, make a list of what you want in your spouse. So at first, all, all of us girls, of course, like, he got to have tall, dark, and handsome. He got to have money. He got to have a car, right? We start there. Then we're like, okay, what do we really want? You make a list. I want somebody of character. I want somebody that goes to church. I want somebody that's going to value his parents, somebody that values his siblings. Because you single people, whenever you're with somebody, watch and see how they treat other people out in public and private. See how they treat talk and talk to their mom. How do they treat their siblings? Because guess what? They're going to treat you the same. They're going to treat you the same. So watch out for that. Set those boundaries. Get that accountability partner that's going to say, how does he treat his mom? How does she treat her dad? That's what we're here for, amen? All right, so married people. Date your spouse. Look at your spouse and say, you sexy. Oh, you said the S word in church. Shame on you. You sexy. (laughs) Okay, okay, married people, calm it down. Calm it down, married people. But no, seriously, God designed relationships, amen? He designed us to have relationships with um, him first, first and foremost, have a relationship with God. But he also designed us for relationships here on earth, amen? All right, so let's close our eyes and um, we'll pray for a second. Heavenly Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for every person here. I thank you for the word that has come forth, Lord. And I just pray that it just penetrates our hearts. Whether we're single, whether we're married, Father, we want good relationships here, Father. But first and foremost, we want a real and a raw relationship with you. A real and a raw relationship with you, Father God. So I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you live within us and that you will lead us and guide us and you will um, show us which relationships we should be in, which ones we should not. And I thank you, Lord, for the single people in here that they will leave um, encouraged and they will have some tools in their belt, Father God, to um, show them how to pick their spouse, Father. And I just pray that you send them across their path whenever the time is right. And Lord, I pray for the married people in here, Father God. Maybe they're a little discouraged because their dating life was awesome, but their marriage life isn't. 
Lord, I pray that you just burn a little fire within them, Father. I pray that you just fan that flame for them. I thank you, Lord, that there's no dead marriages in here. I thank you, Lord, that we will speak life to each other, whether we're in um, the marriage or we're speaking life to our friends, Father God. We just thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.